Hello and welcome to Unpacking Passions. I'm your host, Chandler. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in to last week's episode. I really enjoyed interviewing Emma. I thought she had a lot of really great insight and information to share, and I'm definitely going to be doing some reading over the upcoming holiday break. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to mix things up once again because every now and then on this show, I want to bring something to you that I am passionate about. And for those of you who may not know, those of you who I don't know personally, you may not know this, that I am blind. I've been visually impaired my entire life. It's a congenital eye condition that I was born with. And though it's not the part of me that defines me, it's something that is a factor in my life. And it dictates sometimes how I accomplish certain tasks and things of that nature. And while today I'm not going to be talking with you about how I use my cane, or how I navigate public transit, or anything of that nature. I want to share with you the side of blindness that I really care about, and that's the side of social issues. We cover a lot of topics today, everything from employment and education, access to resources, and even parenting as a person who is blind. I brought on several of my friends, you'll get to hear a few short interviews, And they bring forth some really interesting thoughts and perspectives to share with you. I'm super proud of this episode. I'm super grateful to my friends for joining me. And I hope that you'll enjoy this as well. We're going to jump right into my first interview with Henley. This is Unpacking Passions, Episode 5, Unpacking Blindness. Hi, my name is Henley Williams. I live in the Baltimore area in Maryland. I work for a center for independent living, and we serve people with disabilities. We're kind of like a hub for disability resources and information. So we, you know, whatever the issue might be, we get people the things that they need, you know, uh, whether that's connecting them with resources or kind of helping them um, come up with some good next steps to solving problems um, for for different concerns. Um, So I really like doing that. I worked in DC for a short time before this. I had um, a year-long fellowship um, at the National Council on Independent Living, which is kind of like the national organization for um, the organization that I work for now. So it's kind of the the one I worked for previously is more of like an umbrella organization um, that serves as a resource for all the centers for independent living across the country. Um, So I did that for a year. Again, it was a year-long fellowship. Unfortunately, I had to leave whether I wanted to or not. (laughs) It was a wonderful place, so I was not wanting to leave. But, you know, that's that's the position I had. So, um, so yeah, I did that um, from uh, July of 17 to July of 18. um, And I really enjoyed that work. And then and now I do this. So, um, you know, I really like working on the ground uh, with people with disabilities. And um, I make myself very um, involved in um, the different legislative priorities that are concerns to people with disabilities and um, have definitely been following all of this COVID-19 coverage and how it relates to that community. Mm What, what do you specifically do? Like, so what I specifically do? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I know it it sounds a little bit vague, but so I have, I have three different roles that I primarily do. The first is what's called information and referral. So that means that I work with the people who initially reach out to our center um, and I work with them on, you know, what's going to be best for you all? You know, do you need some independent living skills training? Do you need to talk about um, getting things covered by insurance? Do you, you know, I I help people kind of make that roadmap 
Um, I, I do, I ask people a lot about their lives. Like I do a lot of kind of digging and really trying to pinpoint what the issues are so that I can recommend good resources. Um, that might be my favorite aspect of the job in certain regards, because it allows me to really know all the different resources in our area and how they work and how people can use them to their advantage. What I really like about information and referral too is like centers for independent living have to have 51% or more of their staff identify as people who have significant disabilities. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I, I really love that because not only are we're just not, we're not just like agencies recommending different services. Mm-hmm. We know the services because we as staff also have disabilities and we use these services. So, you know, we can, you know, we can recommend like, um, you know, with that personal experience, it gives us an extra kind of edge to be able to assist people like, oh, this is a, this is a really good person to reach out to. I'll give you their email. Um, or this person's generally more responsive by phone. So I'll give you their phone number. You know, like we have, um, we have that kind of extra insider knowledge. And, and if we don't, we have a whole staff of people with disabilities that we can reach out to, um, to have those conversations. And so information and referral is cool. I get to talk to people about their lives and, and show them resources that might help them. Um, the tough part about that is there are definitely gaps in resources. Yeah. So there are lots of people who don't get the help they need. And that's, that's one of the really challenging parts of the job. Um, you know, like I, I talk to people who say to me things like, oh, well, I've only eaten cereal all week because I just don't have any more money to get more food. And I mean, it can be very, it can be very heartbreaking. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, it's definitely really tough work, but it's, it's work that's definitely worth doing. Um, and then the, the other part of my job, I probably spend anywhere from a third, depending on how busy the week is to two thirds of my time doing affordable housing work. And that is very, very challenging because everything that's available that is affordable to people with disabilities on benefits or even to people with disabilities who are on benefits and working part-time to supplement Mm -hmm. benefits, the stuff that's available is only waiting lists. So I get calls from people in these emergency housing situations and I'm like, well, we can get you on some waiting lists. And that's people don't want to hear that. And I don't blame them. I mean, that's terrible. so yeah, it's, that's that's definitely a really challenging part of the work. Um, the only immediate housing options I can recommend to people would be renting a room from a homeowner. Um, a lot of times those folks have already tried that and don't want anything to do with that situation because they had a bad mm-hmm. experience. Um, so that that's also, I mean, it's hard to hear. Um, the third part of what I do just started at the beginning of this month. Um, we were given a grant by the Maryland Department of Education to run a help desk for blind and low vision transition age youth, Hmm. um, where they can ask questions about advocacy, technology, remote learning, um, different things like that. Um, So we're, you know, even just questions about how do I, how do I navigate this applying to college process? Um, We found, using some statistics, we found that um, blind students and, and students who have low vision are very very able to go to college and in fact are the highest disability group to actually start college really? but the dropout rate is really high mm. um, and so we're seeing that the issue is that blind students are not being con- connected to the resources that can help them stay in school um, mm. and that that can you know really be that bridge between the student and success so we created the help desk as that bridge um, it's being, um, people can call in, this is, this is for Marylanders specifically, unfortunately, but we hope that 
that it will expand and be successful and, and that other states do this as well. Um, but it, people can call the help desk, people can email us, and we have a Facebook page. Um, so we're just getting that off the ground this month. Um, we've been doing a lot of outreach and, um, you know, actually the the admin, administrative work of actually creating the phone number and the email address and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been a busy couple of weeks getting all that set up. But those are the three projects I work on. I'm really I have never heard about the um, the statistics with blind and low vision students in college. I'm really I would like to kind of dig more into that. Um, like so you said it's they're the most likely group to start going to school but then the dropout rate you said is really high what do you think that stems from I know that you mentioned it's not being connected to the resources they need but that is that on the part of the university or is that them not feeling plugged into any like local organizations like that just that fascinates me a lot (laughs) I think that's I think I think you're you're giving a couple of really good examples as to as to why that happens I think there are other factors as well um, there's a lot of different parties involved when a blind person or low vision person who has low vision transitions from high school to college. Right. So there's, you know, a lot of times people have a TVI or a teacher of blind students. And so that person is, you know, on the on the high school end of things, you know, helping the student get ready as much as possible. Um, one of the other um, groups involved is VR, getting the student the technology and the things that they need. Um, in order to actually go through the educational experience and have an accessible education. There's the university and the disability services office. You know, there's all these different parties. And one of our jobs is going to be to talk to these students and to figure out what exactly, you know, why exactly they don't already, you know, know this information and and how we can get it to them. Um, I suspect that we're going to get a variety of different calls. I think sometimes we're going to get the calls like, oh, I really need this in an accessible format, but my disability services office doesn't understand. And so that's going to be more of an advocacy call. And we're going to get other calls of, oh, well, um, my agency said that they won't pay for this. So it's like, okay, well, let's look into, um, you know, VR and um, maybe we can help you justify exactly why you need it and help you get it approved. Um, Or, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble using JAWS. Okay, well, let's connect you to some JAWS training. You know, we mm-hmm. can maybe teach you how to do a couple things over the phone with JAWS training. But if you really need a lot of training, we might need to connect you to an outside resource. Um, so, you know, and we're going to be taking, we're going to be collecting data with all of these calls because we want to pinpoint <clears throat> exactly what is lacking. You know, what are the most questions about? And hopefully we can use that to restructure things, create more awareness, create more programs and do all of that so I'm curious like can you talk about employment among blind adults because that's been an issue for years is that something that you all look at yeah we can we can talk with people about that um I will tell you I'll preface this by saying the help desk is the first like disability specific program we've ever done at our center everything else that we do is cross disability um so it's it's very unique for our center and, and very a very exciting opportunity Um, But in terms of employment for blind adults, there are a couple of resources that we can refer people to. Um, We always refer people to the local VR agency, um, or rather the state VR agency. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, sometimes, you know, there's, there can be miscommunications or things that get a little bit complicated with VR. And so we can always, you know, again, being people who have disabilities ourselves, we've been there, you know, we've worked with VR 
And so we can say, you know, how, how have you reached out to them? Um, you know, in what ways have you reached out to them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can help people, you know, if they're having a lot of problems with getting in touch or getting their services moved ahead, we can, you know, um, sort of give them some advice about, you know, how to, how to get the ball rolling there. Um, we have in Baltimore, we have what's called BISM, Blind Industries and Services of Maryland. Um, and sometimes there are a lot of times, actually, we, we get callers from blind people across the state who are, um, they're not employed and they want to work, but they simply don't know how. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a case where it's like, all right, like maybe you should go to BISM for some blindness skills training. Or um, some of those cases end up being, oh, maybe you should go to Louisiana Center for the Blind or Colorado Center for the Blind or Blind Inc. for blindness skills training. It just depends on the person and how far sure. they're willing to go. Um, but we always we always talk about about BISM and, and the NFB training centers with with callers that we get who are blind, mm-hmm. um, who who just need a little bit of extra skills training in order to to get where they need to go. Um, you know, I mean, it, it helps that I myself have been to one so I can, you know, even if someone's just going to BISM, you know, my, my Colorado center for the blind training, I can say, listen, like, you know, I went to a center out in Colorado, but even just here in Baltimore, you can, you know, really experience a lot of, a lot of mentorship opportunities and, um, you know, really get, really get some hands-on experience with blindness and, uh, learning all the techniques that you need in order to be successful. And I tell, one of the things I tell people all the time, and they never believe me, or I mean, they, they might believe me, but they always sound surprised. <laughs> is they, I always say, I was never confident with my blindness until I met other blind people. And um, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like you wouldn't believe what a confidence boost it is to meet other blind people. Um, you know, even just to, to hang out with them and be like, what do you do for a living? Or, you know, like, you know, whatever, just to, to know what's possible, to learn what's possible and Mm -hmm. to um, just experience, you know, being in a room with people where somebody is over at the kitchen counter and you're like, where are you? And they say, yeah, I'm over here. And like that person prefers the same kind of communication in return. And it's not, weird. you know, that, yeah, it's not weird. (laughs) It's It's normal in that room. (laughs) Exactly. And like, we're just auditorially communicating. That's probably not a word, but we're auditorially communicating where we are and um you know I I know for me I was like wow like this is so cool I didn't really meet a lot of blind people till I was 17 um and then I got kind of distracted with with college and stuff like that and then you know kind of didn't really have my first like blind friends until I was 20 um so I went a lot of my life without having those connections and I was like this is so cool and like it feels so good I find it like easier to befriend people when they're blind because there's not like that awkward weird thing that it's unspoken nobody straight up asks the question but you can tell that people are like feeling you out for a minute before they decide like okay we'll hang out and be normal friends whereas if you like meet a blind person it's like you know I don't care like it's fine I think that that piece of it is interesting but I think it's cool that you're like encouraging people to connect in that way because I think that's something we don't really talk about outwardly I guess yeah yeah, I agree. And I think it's very empowering. It, it makes it normalizes blindness and it makes it makes it feel normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that as I get older, too, like I have I have less patience for the educational period of people who are not blind. Like, all right, I understand Same. it's going to take a couple minutes. Like, that's fine. I don't care about a couple minutes. But like, if this is the second time I'm meeting you and you're still acting like this, like you need to grow up. Like, I don't have time 
to make a little space for you to, you know, like if you want to ask questions and talk, that's, that's fine. But if you're going to be uncomfortable, like I don't have time. I have bigger and better things to do. Right. (laughs) Because for, for, I would argue that like for most of us who are blind or low vision, like when you meet someone, you are very likely the, the first, maybe the only blind person that they'll meet. And so you kind of instantly move from what in a, I don't want to say normal, that's not the right word, but let's in a situation where maybe you're both sided, right? Like where you'd be just a a colleague, you suddenly become like a project almost. And it's like, oh, how do you identify your money? How do you cross a street without getting hit by car? You know, like it's, yeah. And part of me, I don't know, there's a part of me that feels like a, like sort of an honor to get to tell that to people. But I'm also like, I want you to know me as a person first before you start grilling me about how do I exist you know yeah yeah exactly and or like mix them together you know what I mean like show personal interest simultaneously as well as the blindness interest like that doesn't bother me that actually feels very authentic to me um I, I I like when that happens it feels very sincere um but I you know I was in a I haven't really like I'm I'm one of the people who I'm very particularly scared of COVID and I, um, I take the quarantine stuff pretty seriously. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I do, I do grocery delivery. I um, get most of my like household items and stuff on Amazon and stuff like that. And um, I work from home. We're totally from home since March 12th. So, or 13, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm totally working from home. So I, you know, I definitely get a little bit of cabin fever. Sometimes I do live in the suburbs, so I have a yard. So that helps. But my point in saying all of this is uh, in July, I took an Uber to go to a restaurant and I'd taken a couple of Ubers in June too, but you know, I hadn't really had this experience just yet. I was taking an Uber in July and I was like on my phone and the gentleman was super nice. The driver was super nice. And he was like asking me, you know, how I'm doing. And we were just talking about summer and COVID. And I was asking him about his patrons and whether or not he's been feeling safe and whether or not people are taking things seriously and stuff. And he ended up, um, you know, just randomly being like, so how long have you been blind? And it's like, I, I, I answered his question and I was, I was very, um, you know, I was very forthright about it. And, and I, I presented it in a very pleasant way to make him feel comfortable. But like, I laughed to myself because I was like, this is in quarantine. This is what I forgot it. I, I forgot that it's, like this when I exist mm-hmm. around other people like you know like I we can't just have a conversation like we have to talk about blindness like we right. just have to and it's like why like it's not triggering for me I don't mind I just why does it matter like it literally doesn't matter yeah yeah like yeah why I think society has turned it into the elephant in the room when it doesn't need to be an elephant like, it's yeah. probably just a fly. Like, it's in the corner doing its own thing. It's not the most yeah. important thing. But we treat it like, oh, that's a person carrying a stick. What am I, how do I handle this situation? It's like, no, it's not, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And that's true. I've many, many an Uber and Lyft ride I have spent answering the questions of, no, I'm not totally blind. I can see a little bit. 
but yes, they still have to use a cane. And, and they're probably like, can you quantify that for me? Right. <laughs> How much can you Describe see? the interior of the car. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there are seats and windows. <laughs> Couple shadows. I mean, Couple I shadows. I you. think you have a hat either, or maybe you just have an interesting hairdo. I can't quite tell. <laughs> if there was one thing that you wished, like, the world at large understood about blindness what would that be um ultimately that like i mean one thing that is really jarring is like i i've read before and i've heard before like we've talked about it at chapter meetings and stuff um because i i do um nfb local chapter stuff but one one thing that we talk about sometimes is like people are really afraid of blindness and um like people like in surveys people talk about like how some surveys like people are more afraid of going blind than they are of like getting cancer or like stuff like that and I mean change is a scary thing I mean I'm not saying don't be afraid of going blind because you know I'd be afraid of being sighted right like change is a scary thing on its own um and you know I'm I'm not I'm not saying don't everybody has their grieving process and that needs to be honored and respected Um, but at the same time, like, I just don't understand why people don't think that they can live productive lives. Um, and again, I mean, life, life will be harder, but like, it's because other people make it harder. Um, otherwise blindness is just kind of inconvenient sometimes, Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, why do you think we have such a high unemployment rate? Because people don't give us a chance, you know, like why, you know, another reason why we don't, why we have such a high unemployment rate in our population is like, we don't have, you know, not everything is created accessibly because in our society, we don't put accessibility high on the list of things that are important when designing websites and software. And so like, we're in this situation because of the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, ultimately it's really not that big a deal. Um, and I, I wish that people would understand that. Like, again, you know, there are certain things about blindness that suck. Like, you don't get to see pretty sunsets and you don't, you know, get to just, you know, uh, things aren't as easy. You have to stand at a street corner to listen to traffic before you can cross. You can't just look at the signs and go like if it's an unfamiliar one, at least. I mean, if mm-hmm. it's a if it's one that you're familiar with, that's a little bit different. You know, you're from more familiar with the patterns. But like, you know, I mean, sometimes things do take a little bit longer, but like mostly it's just a little bit inconvenient. The The big issues in our lives are caused by the way that our society has been constructed since the human species has existed. Um, and that's, that's just how it is. Um, and it, people need to know that. Like your life might be a little tougher. Mostly though, that's going to be because people are the worst. <laughs> <sighs> yes. So. And I think I have this weird, like, I think I'm coming to understand it more and more with like, like you said earlier about there's such a fear of like losing vision. Right. But I have this weird, like naivete of this has been my situation my whole life. You know, like I haven't known anything different, you know, I just, I, I, as you, you grow up and kids start leaving you out and then you kind of figure out, Oh, this isn't normal. You know, it's not normal for me to, whatever this thing might be um and I think that that's really important and I think that 
like the ignorance stems from fear almost. And I think that, I don't know, maybe even like we as blind people, if remembering that could help us like be more patient. But I I forget that. Like I find myself think like, oh, this is scary to people. Like, whereas to me, it's just another Tuesday. Like I'm living people's worst (laughs) nightmare. Yeah. Which is weird yeah. to me because I'm like, I'm totally fine, you know? Yeah. But right. my my right. biggest issues in life have nothing to do with my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And I I, I saw a quote, um, I'm in a lot of like different disability Facebook groups and I saw this amazing quote, um, but I'm going to preface it first. I think in a lot of times, you know, and I, I know that you um, spent some time at a school for the blind and you went to the blindness training center and, you know, so you've been in conversations with other blind and low vision folks mm-hmm. who have like said things probably along the lines of like, what can we do to be more patient or to be better ambassadors to our community? And like, we spend a lot of time in formal and informal settings with our blind friends talking about how to make things better for us and the sighted world around us. Mm-hmm. And sighted people don't do that for us. <laughs> like that sighted people don't they don't talk about like how do we make this blind person feel more comfortable like we're always like oh like we have to bend and we have to like whatever like and so the quote is um people with disabilities spend their entire lives being told and working on ways to interact with the world better um why don't we spend some more time teaching the world how to interact better with them that's good that's really good yeah, and that for me, it's like just part of my personality. I hate conflict and like let's all be happy and friends. And so, like, I think yeah. I'm extra guilty of <laughs> feeling the sense of like I'm supposed to make the person who can see things feel better about me. But it's like, you know, I think there's something to be said about like at a certain point, there's a responsibility on the part of everybody else to like. Like, we've got to learn how to interact with people who are different than us better. Like, not just blindness. Like, if somebody's religious beliefs are different from you, if somebody's skin color is different from yours, if somebody, you know, if their body type is is heavier or or smaller than what you think it should be. Like, you know, I I just think we have this, like, societal thing of we don't know how to do that. And it, it bums me out. And I think especially because I'm typically one of the people that's on the receiving end of people not knowing how to like be normal to other people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think that we do have somewhat of an obligation. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't like, it's gotta be a balance though. And there's no, it's literally all us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else that you want to share that you feel is important to bring up? I, this is actually really sad. I don't, I don't want to bring everybody down by telling this, but it's, it was really hard. So I think one of the things that particularly makes this sad is that I was 17 and it was very much a like, wow, this is the life I'm stepping into kind of story. Mm. Um, I was on the Metro in DC um, and I was going to the white house because I was participating in like a mentorship program there. And um, I was really excited. And, you know, I mean, I was 17. I thought it was so cool, you know. And um, <laughs> and I was on the Metro and I was wearing, I was wearing like very like DC appropriate clothing. I had on like a blazer and um, probably, probably dress pants or a skirt. I don't remember what, but like I was, you know, I put a lot of effort into how I looked and 
um, you know, was really happy to be there and, and was happy about the challenge. And I was standing on the Metro holding on to one of the bars and the doors opened at a stop that was not mine. So I just stood there and waited and a whole bunch of people got on and I'm just standing there holding onto a bar, like, you know, like normal. And everybody's freaking out about me. I'm like, oh my God, there's a handicap, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, can you just go find your seat? Like, I'm just standing here, like just on the train. Like, I don't understand why you people have a problem. <laughs> and um, I, w- I was really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, then I went another stop or two and got off at my stop. And I was really, really upset because I was like, wow, like, it doesn't matter if I'm riding through a very professional district in DC. It doesn't matter that I'm two Metro stops away from the White House. It doesn't matter that I look really good. I'm wearing professional clothing. Um, I have myself put together. I'm always going to be treated like this. And it, it broke me. I mean, at that age, I was like, wow, like I, in, in certain people's minds in society, I'm never going to grow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a very emotional experience. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's something people don't understand is like, yes, there is a piece that's like the more uh, confidence you have in the presentation, like that might move you up a step on the ladder, but like you're still on the ladder, you know, you're still in that same position where people are going to, they're going to think what they think, like the second they see that cane or the second they see that harness on a guide dog. So, I mean, as much as your story is sad, I think it's important, you know, to to be shared. And so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that Henley was willing to share so much great information and to share some stories of her own personal experiences. That's not always an easy thing to do, especially on a public platform like this. So I really appreciate when my guests are willing to open up and be vulnerable. I put out a call on social media while I was putting together this podcast to ask some of my friends if they would be willing to share what they wish the world knew about blindness. My friend Poonam sent me a voice message with some very interesting thoughts on her experiences living as a blind person. Let's listen in to what she has to say. Hi there. What's the term you most commonly hear from strangers around you? For me, it's the term, God bless you. You might be thinking, that's not such a bad term to hear. This is why I find it offensive. Firstly, as a person with a disability, this term reminds me that people think of me from the medical model of disability, which is a person who's broken and urgently needs to be fixed. That too from a divine being, also known as God. Secondly, as a person who is an atheist for the last 15 years, this is also a confusing term for me. And also, I am left with the duty of responding to such a statement. Should I say thank you, smile, nod, which is something not in keeping with my values? Or should I be rude, ignore them, look away, walk away, which is something that would not make me very popular 
and might be difficult for me if I meet them again. Yeah, I could also stop and educate them about why this term is offensive and why they should not use it again. This is great for someone who doesn't have places to be and people to see. But what about when I'm busy? I wish people would stop intertwining disability with divinity. It's a disturbing thing that I'm seeing in my country recently. People are using the term devyang, which also means divine body part to refer to people with disabilities. This is Poonam Vaidya, speaking to you from Bangalore, a city located in the south of India. Currently, I work as an editor and when not working, I'm constantly listening to audiobooks, learning new things and cooking interesting meals. I really think Poonam brings up a great point, and I experience this too, even as a Christian who attends church very regularly. I do often get approached by people who want to pray for me, and it still can feel uncomfortable even as a person that that has, you know, has religious beliefs, um, because there is that sense that we're seen as somebody that needs to be healed. When, when I believe, my personal beliefs are that I was created this way. And so this is a difficult subject, and I do appreciate Poonam's thoughts. We are who we are. We don't necessarily need to be fixed. We're able to live full and successful and productive lives. We're going to move into the final interview of today's episode, and I think that you're going to enjoy this one as well. My friend Pippi joins me to share about her experience as being a mom who is blind. I'm Pippi and I live in Colorado and I am the mom to an awesome almost 12 year old. She'll be 12 next month. It's insane. Um, <laughs> uh, her name is Savannah and I also am a business owner um, in which I operate a, a cafe and micro market and uh, vending machines. And uh, yeah, that's me. Um, so can you just talk about, um, like, obviously, like, I know you and I know Savannah and I know because I'm your friend that mm-hmm. you're a great parent, but what's generally the, the perception that you experience from the sighted world about parents who happen to be blind? Um, so it is all over the place. Um, I really wouldn't say there's a general perception I, I have experienced many I, I would say probably one that comes up more than usual is that uh, Savannah takes care of me um, I think that unfortunately that yeah that is probably the, the the norm is that she takes care of me and she she uh, you know does all the parenting but I'm the child instead I think that is probably the one and the worst actually yeah, because that's not only, like, that's hard on her, you know. I would imagine growing up, like, especially maybe when she was younger, that had to be kind of confusing, right? Yeah, and we, so <clears throat> I have been pretty open with Savannah about lots of things. Like, she's adopted, so she has known since she was two that she was adopted. And, like, she knows who her birth parents are. And, like, she knows mm-hmm. all of this information 
Um, and I like, I try to just be open with her. So um, I would explain to her like privately at home, like, you know, some people just don't get it, you know, they, and the, or they're ignorant and they don't take the time to be educated or they don't listen when I try to ed- educate them. And lots of people have this perception that just because I'm blind that I can't be a parent or, you know, sometimes it's, I can't even, you know, dress myself in the morning, which, um, sadly that some people think that way. And it's right. Um, so I've had that conversation with her, you know, from a pretty young age, they'll say things to her, like, you make sure you take care of your mommy or, you know, things like that. And I educate them and I, I try to always be polite about it um I am human so that's not always the case but right you know I I I say things like you know she she helps me out as much as any you know five-year-old helps their mother or you know yeah I wish I could get her to help clean her bedroom that would be super great you know like things like that (laughs) um just to kind of show them like we're just a normal family like right um and then the people that actually can have a more like more those are kind of the you know the random strangers at the grocery store people mm-hmm. um and then others that I can actually have a full conversation with you know I kind of explain to them you know we we're a family like Savannah I don't expect her she is not my eyes she's not my seeing eye child she's not my guide child um I I do expect her to be a contributing member to this family just as you know anybody expects their children you know it's she needs to do her chores and she needs to, you know, um, you know, help pick up after herself. And, you know, we do things like, cause it is just Savannah and I, so, we, you know, we cook dinner together and, and things like that, but I don't ask her to do things that are like blindness specific. I ask her to be, you know, a normal contributing member to a family, to our family. Yeah. How often does that happen? Like the strangers on the street thing? It is a pretty frequent thing. Um, I, unfortunately, I would say like nine times out of 10 that we go out, somebody says something. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty frequent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's something that's important for people to know is it's like, we're literally dealing with this all the time, whether Mm -hmm. it's that you're a parent or that you're just trying to like, you know, go to the library or go get groceries. And it's, you know, it, I know for me, it's exhausting. I feel like I'd lose my mind if I was in your shoes. Like, stop, you know, especially if it's involving somebody else. That's frustrating. Yeah. And like, I don't want to, you know, show off my not so great parts. But like, this is like important. So Savannah and I were having a mommy daughter day in downtown Denver. And, you know, we, we went and had dinner and we went to Sally's beauty salon down there to pick out some hair dye for, uh, I think she ended up with blue hair that time. Um, oh, nice. You know, and, and we went to Claire's and just, you know, walking down 16th street and just, just having, you know, talking and, and having a great time. And we're crossing a road and some guy called her my seeing eye child and I lost it. I was so mad. Like, like leave me alone. Like she's not my seeing eye child. She's walking beside me. Uh, she's holding my hand because she's a seven-year-old and we're crossing a street like you know like to right. me that's still important but I have my cane she's not pulling me she, I don't have a harness on her like how is she my seeing eye child like I'm the mom we're laughing and talking and having a good time and because you're an ignorant person you just like ruined that yeah yeah and I, I don't know there's just this 
<laughs> I know. I like. I feel bad asking. Like, let me ask you questions that no, get please up. ask away. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think it's important um, for people to see the emotion, like how. Yeah. Like I am all about educating and I, I am a pretty open book. Like if you want to ask me a question about my blindness or about how I parent as a blind person, not you specifically, but like the you in general, right. I am mm-hmm. super happy to answer those questions. But when you assume things and make comments like, like, you know, oh, she's your seeing eye child or, you know, things like that. Like it is different than wanting to be educated. Like you're assuming things without your, without the knowledge. And that's what irritates me. Right. Um, would you recommend a resource? Like if people, if there are people listening to this who want to be educated about blind parenting specifically. The National Federation of the Blind um, does have a blind parents division. And um, specifically here in Colorado, we also have a blind parents division. Um, and just contacting, so you can go to nfbco.org or nfb.org um, and definitely find information there about the blind parents division. Um, there are a couple of Facebook groups as well that are, um, for blind parents. And, um, I have seen people ask questions in there, you know, about blind parenting as well. So Hmm. while they are for blind parents, like somebody could ask, um, information as well. And those are, let's see, blind parents connect is the, that's the one that's off the top of my head that I'm actually a member oh, okay. of. Yeah. I'm cool, sorry. Cool. I, I don't have like all these things written down. Um, and no, it's fine. It was just a spontaneous yeah, thing. And I I'm thought, oh, maybe she knows. <laughs> super happy to answer. Like if even somebody wanted to Facebook me or email me, like I'm happy to answer any questions that I can. I don't mind educating from that aspect. I mind educating when, you know, I'm trying to have a, a great time with my daughter and people make stupid comments. Like, Right. Like that, that I, and sometimes I, I like educating when it's kind of on my time to do it, you know, like, sure. I, I, you know, you, you feel this and anybody with a, you know, some sort of minority feels it like, I, I don't want to be a teacher 24 seven, I want to do it on my own time. I want, you know, sometimes I just want to go to the store, or I just want right. to be sitting at dinner and not have to educate someone like like that. So, um, you know, I'm always happy to do it on my own time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And that yeah. makes it like, there's a time and a place mm-hmm. to have the conversation. And it, it sometimes shocks me how, when somebody has something about them that society says is different, like all social norms, common sense behavior seems to fly out the window. Yes. Like, you know, you don't yell at like you just people I mean, I guess some people do, maybe. But, like, to me, I was never raised, like, hey, yell at somebody while they're crossing the street and make a comment about a major part of their life that you can see. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't I don't know. It, it can be frustrating, for sure. Well, and I, I have asked people, like, do you ask all these sighted parents in the world this question? Or do you make right. these comments to every sighted person or every person without a disability? then why is it okay? Why do you think that it's okay to ask me these things mm-hmm. or to say these things to me? So yeah, I, it's that fine line. It's okay, like, I am, like I said, super happy to educate, but I'm not super happy to educate when I'm trying to grocery shop with my daughter. And that like, that is one that comes up a lot, unfortunately, because um, Savannah and I shop together. We don't use a shopper's assistant anymore. And that's, Mm. we shop as a family. Um, And this is always, 
has always been my thing since she's like, mom, can I just do it? Because, you know, we'd get a shop assistant at the store and that's not always a great experience and it can take a long time. And sure. I started noticing like Savannah would pick off the shelf, whatever it was that we needed or, you know, whatever items a lot faster than the, the shopper's assistants would grab things. And it's because, you know, we eat, you know, the same brand of, you know, whatever Mac, she, it's the same brand of macaroni and cheese. And so she sees where it's at. Like she pays attention to that, whereas some of these shoppers assistants work in a completely different ap- department and they're, you know, mm-hmm. and one day she's like, mom, can I just do it? And the first time she asked me, I told her, no, like we're going to go shoppers assistant because I had some of that, like hang up. Oh, I don't want people to think I'm using my child. Um, but then uh, you know, she's like, mom, just let me do it. We're getting three things. So I'm like, okay. And then I looked at it like, you know, we're a family shopping and I can turn this into like her learning, you know, like we're getting bananas and they're 23 cents a pound. And, you know, we want this many pounds, how much is it going to cost? And, you know, right. price comparisons, like, you know, there's this brand of, of spaghetti sauce or this one, like is the store brand or the name brand you know, like learning, learning, you know, there's some things you can buy that are store brand and some things that are name brand and just, you know, how to pick a ripe avocado and how to, you know, make sure your produce is good and, and all those things that I can't really do with her with a shopper's assistant. Mm -hmm. And like, so it's, while yes, she is grabbing the items and kind of, you know, doing the, the cited part of that, she's getting just as much out of it as I am with her grabbing the stuff off the shelf. So it's like a family activity altogether. Yeah, for sure. It becomes educational at that point. Like I see parents doing that with their kids all the time that are cited like, Hey, okay, Mm -hmm. go grab your cereal that you want. Or, you know, I'm going to look at these avocados and pick one. Why don't you go get some apples? You know, Mm -hmm. like that's a normal thing to do. And so, I mean, I think that's cool personally. Like, yeah, she's going to be good at shopping, you know, (laughs) and knowing how to, pick the things she needs you know things like mm-hmm. that so I think and that's great but I'm sure that that does cause more of a it's, a, it's sad you know. that like sighted parents do it all the time but I'm a blind parent shopping with my daughter in the same way that sighted parents are and yet I'm using her like she's and it's that that I just don't get it I don't understand what's the difference like we're parents shopping with our children we're a family shopping and right. I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I think, you know, you've said it a few times, like it's the ignorance or it's just the, this, this thing where we don't know how to handle people who aren't like us. And mm-hmm. I think that as a society, we like have to do better. Kids will come up to me and try to ask, what, what is that? Ask about my cane. And I do not ever mind if it's a child explaining, this is my cane. I can't see very well. It helps me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But parents will like drag their kid away and it's like the second that you do that that is saying to that child that's a bad thing that you're doing that's a bad person you stay away you know yes it it can be damaging you know yes and I've had that same thing and when a parent will say oh don't bother her I I always try to speak up to the parent in those times and like you know I'm happy that your child feels comfortable asking me questions that you know 90% of adults don't feel comfortable asking right you know, kind of pointing that out to them, like, this is a good thing. Your child's curiosity is a good thing. They're trying to learn. And they see me as a person who 
has something different going on. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let me figure this out, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being afraid or, you know, you, you, you know, walk on the other side of the street because there's a blind person coming near you, which does happen, or step into the grass instead of saying hello, you know, when a blind person's coming near you. It's like step away and be as silent as possible. Like, uh, yeah. it's, it's like, terrible. I still know you're there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> despite you think I don't like, I sense you there, even if you aren't going to make noise. Like, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I love children who ask questions. It's great. Yeah. So one last question for you, mm-hmm. and this is one I'm asking everybody that I'm talking to for this. Um, if there was one thing that you wish that, the world knew about blindness as a whole, like you can, the, just the big umbrella, even outside of parenting, just the whole thing. Um, if there's one thing you wish people knew about blindness, what would that be? You know, I, I have to go back to like the NFB. They have such a great tagline. Um, the blindness is just a characteristic. Like I am a woman and I have blonde hair and I'm, you know, five foot seven and, and I'm a mother and I'm an aunt and a sister and a grandchild and a business owner and um I love to cook and you know I have green eyes and I'm blind like and and like it's just one part of me it is one part of a blind person and yes like we all are different and it's cool to learn about people's differences but that's not all of me by any means like there's so much more to me than my blindness And I think that's the most important thing. Like, I'm just a person first. I'm, you know, on the the playground at school, I'm, I'm Savannah's mom and Savannah's playing with your child, Bobby. And, you know, I'm okay to talk to, too. Just like, you know, Frankie's mom, you know, I'm just a person first who has all these different characteristics. Once again, a huge thank you to Henley, Poonam, and Pippi for joining me on this episode and being willing to share their experiences. I hope that you've learned a lot today, and I hope that you understand this isn't meant to be shaming, this isn't meant to make anybody listening feel bad, this isn't even necessarily representative of all the perspectives of all blind people, because we're all unique, we're all our own individuals, and we all look at things in very different ways, but I hoped to highlight just a few perspectives for you today to get a little bit of insight to what it is like to live as a blind person, especially from the social side of things. If you have any questions at all about today's episode, you can email me at unpackingpassions at gmail.com and I'm happy to answer any questions or even pass them along to some of our guests if that is something that you would like to do as well. We did mention the resource, the National Federation of the Blind, a few times today. I'll include their website down below. They do a lot of really great advocacy work for blind individuals. And there are several other great organizations that exist that do the same thing, including the American Foundation for the Blind and the American Council of the Blind. I will include links to their websites in the show notes. You can find all of that information, as well as an article that I wrote about a year and a half ago, about the subject of being prayed for as a person with a disability. I hope that you will all be able to check that out and enjoy that as well. You are just as much a part of this show as I am and as my guests are. I would love to keep the conversation going when episodes are not coming out. 
You can reach the podcast directly by emailing unpackingpassions at gmail.com. Be sure and follow me on social media at Sound of Chandler. And use that hashtag unpackingpassions on social media whenever you're discussing the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll tune in next week for another great conversation. Have a wonderful day.